Support Black Podcast. This is Karma. She is the Blurred Girl, a freelance commercial video and film editor by day, and a comic book reading, anime watching, TV live tweeting, K-pop listening, blog writing geek girl by night. She uses her blog and her podcast to shine a light on sequential art, comic books, graphic novels, and pop culture with a focus on characters of color primarily created by people of color. Join her on theblurredgirl.com. That's the T H E Blurred B L E R D Girl G U R L dot com. Theblurredgirl.com. Go there and support Black Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Show Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, it's Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. What's up, everybody? It's been a long time. It Vince. has been a long time. It, at least for us, it's been a long time. Yes, that, for us, it's been three weeks. Three weeks. Hopefully, they didn't notice. Hopefully, they did not. Because an episode every week and a bonus that's right. But bonus talk back episode. Yeah. So we were giving y'all stuff. But we're back. Yes, we are. We're yes, back. Yes, we are. We're back with a brand new show. That's right. As we come together to review 1974's Amazing Grace. Yes. Starring Slappy White, Moses Gunn, Rosalind Cash, Dolph Sweet, James Karen, and last but certainly not least... Mom's Mabley. Mom's in Mabley. Her final film. And her only full-length feature. Very much so. But before we get into that, oh, how we have missed you. We have. And apparently you all missed the missed us, I guess. I don't know. But we do know that you enjoyed the Brooklyn tapes. Oh, good. I'm glad because we certainly enjoyed making them. We sure did. Um, just reading here. From what do we got? We we did a show. Our first show in in Brooklyn was with Tatiana King. Yes, of Fan Bros. Yes, where uh, a show where you Vince remarked how she killed the pound cake. She did kill the pound cake. Your wife Wendy made some delicious pound. Cake. She did. She and and Tatiana ate all of the. Pound cake. <laughs> I've I I believe. I can verify that the crust was good. Yeah. That's about yeah, all that yeah, I got. Yeah, she got her share. Uh, and Tatiana wrote us up. It's like, oh, my God, why you remind me about that palm cake? <laughs> Markham Lee. Hey, what's up, Markham? Said as someone who has eaten large quantities of pound cake, I approve of this. All right. Uh, as well as Jay Webb wrote that this was a great episode. Thank you, Jay. And Robert Monroe Jr. said this Robert. was a fantastic episode. Thank you, sir. I had to get this movie on DVD because there were scenes that made me laugh so hard I missed dialogue. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 
It was on that episode that we started talking about comedy teams. Yes. And how the straight person is usually the first name, such right. as in Abbott and Costello. And Robert Monroe Jr. pointed out there was one exception to that comedy duo um, name. Oh, who was it? Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy. Well, if there's going to be any exception to that rule, it would be Laurel and Hardy. That's because I find both of them equally funny. Yes, but Oliver Hardy is definitely the straight man. The straight man, man, you would say. He's definitely the straight man. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. I wonder why that is. Well, they're one of the first. Maybe they're one. So they do harken back to the silent days. So now I'm wondering who was the first duo where the straight man got the lead. Hmm. I don't know. Because the top billing. Because I'm sure there's a story there. You think? Oh, I mean, when you just think about the duos, I mean, of course, now that I think about it, I don't, I, I, they're probably not in Bing Crosby and Bob Hope got along pretty well, as far as I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but, but I know Abbott and Costello and Dean Martin and Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Lewis. Well, Abbott and Costello, full stop. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, full stop. I know there was tension well, in those partnerships. There was tension. Um, I think. Martin and Lewis, the tension, you know, historically came near the end. Even though I think it was there, it was building. It was yeah, bubbling. I think it, yeah. Um, but Abbott and Costello, I don't think the tension was as much as it's got played out to be. Okay, I think I think they ultimately were good friends. They, but after doing so many movies and right. so much together just got tired of you you yeah. the friendship becomes more of a business right you know and i think that's what happened with them right um hmm. but laurel and hardy definitely an yeah yeah that's, that's interesting today. thank you uh we then staying in brooklyn staying in brooklyn with george carmona and dr lisa yes. m gill yes reviewed malcolm x yes we did to which uh george carmona thanked us again and thank you george Steve Tozen said up, that Steve? 26 minutes into the episode, and this is what I live for. Hey, it's a, it was a good episode. That was a fun. That was a good episode. That was a very fun yeah. show. Uh, Markham Lee, you know, who listens to each and every one of our shows, Thank mentioned you, how sir. that episode was a great conversation, very layered and nuanced, and easily the best analysis of this movie that I've ever heard. Thank you. Read or whatever. So thank you. And and trust me, as one who can testify, that episode, literally, it was what you heard. It was me and George sitting there and just (laughs) watching Vince and Lisa ping pong back and forth. It's not quite accurate, but that is exactly for the sake of of the flow. I'll go along with that. That is exactly what happened, and I enjoyed every minute of it. I really did. Uh, And then we finished off reviewing glory oh yeah with my man richard ing yeah oh yeah and that was really a really really a good time uh uh a chris a chris uh i'm gonna jack up his name a chris alifelm a chris on instagram said quote war is americana excellent observation excellent commentary yeah that was a really that was a really fun episode for me to listen to because you know it's the third episode Mm -hmm. so like i had actually forgotten 
yeah, well, a I, lot of what what we were saying. So it was like listening to an episode fresh. Yeah, it was like, oh wow, this is kind of nice. These guys sound like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're interesting, and I think I want to subscribe to their podcast. <laughs> Who are these guys? Um, that was fun. So yeah, it was. We thank um, Richard and George and Lisa and Tatiana. Absolutely. It was a fun time in yes, Brooklyn. We had a good yes, time. Yes, it was. Uh, we'll have to make a, a return trip to Brooklyn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and when you you all are in Philadelphia. Yes. Please. You definitely. Know. Come look us up. Uh, I believe our next road trip that we're tentatively, we, it, it hasn't been scheduled in no, anything at all. No, it has not been scheduled at all. Or at all. But I believe it's going to be down to Vincent's hometown. Yeah, yeah, we are we are eyeing we are eyeing some Baltimore dates. Yeah, so, so stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got going here because as always, while we were away, the Facebook group was on and uh, popping. Yeah. Oh yeah. Markham Lee, who's a man with many words, said apropos of hip hop beefs. Oh, I listened to the Malcolm X and Daughters of the Dust episodes consecutively, and I was muttering to myself, really, Vince? Greg (laughs) Nice is a stupid person? Oh, I I don't know him, but he sounds like he might be. Then I read his verse on Sometimes I Rhyme Slow. Bruh dropped 16 non sequiturs, and Smooth B was rapping about his girlfriend's addiction problems, (laughs) worries it could blow back on him financially, legally, heartbreak, etc. Did these brothers even compare notes before they recorded this? I suspect. Did they compare notes and Greg Nice didn't care? (laughs) I can't lyrically defend I wear Timberland boots so I can stop ticks. Although that actually, now that makes sense. It does make sense. That actually makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I then paused Daughters and dug up the Black Tribbles Hip Hop Summit episode where Summer Willow Fitch was mixing up the savagery. Kid and Play had people around them that gave them the illusion of talent. That was some cold-ish. Oh, my god! I immediately gracious. thought of Willie from the first Shaft movie. <laughs> that was some cold-ish throwing my man Leroy out the oh, goddamn window. Boy. All that being said, Len is right. There you go. Nice and smooth are better MCs. There you go. Kid and play are comedic actors who could dance and were decent at delivering Herbie's rhymes. Uh, they were basically the first boy band of <laughs> hip-hop. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Like, I can't debate that. I don't know if I've said it before, but I like the cut of Markham Lee's ah, jib. You like the cut of his jib. <laughs> that Markham Lee's a guy that I think I could, I, I think I could roll with Markham I was Lee. Say, we need to subscribe to his newsletter as well. Most definitely. <laughs> God damn it. I like that. That was smart. Um, Hey, real quick, Vince, uh, and, and, and everybody who's been posting on the Facebook group, there's, I mean, we've been away for three weeks, so there's like right, a ton right. of stuff in there. So we're not going to have time to get to everything. But real quick, um, before you went away, yes. we were able to check out a film that is actually going to be opening in theaters in a couple, I think actually this Friday. Yeah, oh yeah, this Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, pr- producer Jordan Peele, Spike yes. Lee directed yes. The Black Klansman. That's right. We sure did see a cut of it. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of that movie? I liked it. Yeah? I liked it. I think I think it is very much a Spike Lee film. Mm-hmm. 
and everything that goes with that for good and ill. It, it's funny re- listening to the Malcolm X episode mm-hmm. and some of, of the critiques that we had of, of the masterpiece Malcolm X, you, you know, the length and, and, and the various endings and, you, you know, that sort of thing. You can apply them to the Black Klansman. Yeah. You know, you can apply some of them to the Black Klansman. But I liked it a lot. I think it is Spike Lee's strongest film in years. I would say that, too. Like in, like, over a decade. Yeah, that may be right. You, you yeah. know, maybe longer than that. So, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it a great deal. I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed the acting of uh Adam Driver and John David Washington. How about that? Who I did not I did not know that yeah. was Denzel Washington. Oh yeah, son. yeah. He's on uh what's that football show on HBO? Uh Ballers. Ballers. Apparently he's on like I've seen him pop up where where you know people are talking. I don't mm-hmm. I don't watch Ballers. Yeah, me neither. But I knew he was an actor and I knew he was on Ballers. But yeah, he was really good. A lot of charisma. A lot of charisma. A lot of charisma. And Adam Driver, who I do I you know, I've like from the you know, Star Wars movies right. and everything. I thought he was good in the film as yeah. well. I like Adam Driver's energy. I do. Like I like that kind of off kilter energy mm-hmm. that he has. And I like the two of them together. I do. And also, I will give Spike Lee this. Um, I like that while this is ostensibly a remake of the original, the story is tweaked enough that while it's a remake, I feel like it is still wholly something new in now, and of itself. Now, is it supposed to be a remake? Well, because it's based on that true. It's based on the true story. Yeah, but the movie. The but the movie. There was the movie there as was, well, which right. is still basically the same story. It's same story. With yeah, guy infiltrating the. I mean, it's for different reasons. Yeah, but um, so maybe it's not technically supposed to be a remake. Maybe they're trying to blur that line, realizing that there was a movie by the same name before. Right. You know, but um, I, either way. I I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I yeah, really, good I, stuff. It 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 gives you. I mean, I think Spike, like you said, it's his strongest film in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he does, you know, hit the hammer hard a couple of times in there. I'm yeah. like, yo, like like you can let up, uh, Spike. But you know, subtlety is not his middle name. I mean, you know, his anger has always been what sustains him. His and, and his strongest tool. Like I think, I think the, that anger. When it works mm-hmm. is what makes his film so powerful. You, you know, again, I worship at the altar of do the right thing, which I think it is, you know, his rage is incandescent in that. But, you know, even in something like Jungle Fever or or He Got Game or or or, you know, there are parts of 25th Hour even mm-hmm. where that that kind of rage that he has that that almost James Baldwin type rage is what separates him. It's just, you know, I think it's difficult to control so that, like you said, subtlety is not something that Spike Lee has historically done that well, that often. True. So before we get into our film review, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we do have to take a moment as is our want to do. And is it our, pleasure to do to give a shout out to um our friend dorian mystic how about that 
who uh, has snagged a key role in Tell Me a Story, a new psychological thriller yeah. that will be seeing its debut soon on CBS's All Access from the mind of Kevin Williamson and Aaron Kaplan's Capital Entertainment. He'll be joining um, Zabrina Guevara from Gotham. And I, I actually wanted to, one of the brighter stars of Gotham for me. Okay. Uh, but Dorian, look at Dorian doing work, stepping out of uh, Luke Cage and dropping down into a new show. Yeah, and, and on uh, CBS Access, which is doing work lately. I, I mean, yet the other huge news mm-hmm. out of CBS Access is, of course, the new Star Trek series with, with um, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, Reprising his role as a Jean-Luc Picard. And, yeah. you know, obviously we'll talk about that more on um, Spock adjacent. the Spock adjacents that are coming sooner than later. So, you know, that was fantastic news. Um, I was going to say after after saying that Spike Lee doesn't do subtlety mm-hmm. and, and that, well, someone who does, I don't know if you got a chance. Did you see the first trailer for um, Barry Jenkins' If Bill Street Could Talk? No, I have not. It is... It, it 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 is it is very much Barry Jenkins. Yeah. Like 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 the images of blackness in Jenkins films are 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 just sparkling jewels. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know you know, maybe Ava DuVernay. I don't know who loves black bodies and black images as much as Barry Jenkins does. Yeah, like it's it's just beautiful, you know. It's a trailer, mm-hmm. so you know it's like two minutes, but it's 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 beautiful, and I'm I'm so looking for it. Like I have to say, I didn't want to say anything because you know we Barry Jenkins people, but I did have my doubts about making if Bill Street could talk into a movie. Really, uh, why? It's it doesn't strike me as a very cinematic book. You know, it's a very quiet book. It's a very small book. Mm-hmm. It's a book with not necessarily a lot of of action, and you know, frankly, not a whole lot of plot. Like just actual plot. Yeah, where stuff yeah. had like I can tell you the plot of the book in like a sentence, but you you know, I was I don't know what I was thinking about. Like I was wrong, and I think I'm going to be pleasantly surprised by being wrong if. It fulfills the promise of the trailer. That's good. It'll so. it'll be it'll be uh, nice to you know for you know. I think as these creators like Ava DuVernay and um, and Barry Jenkins and uh, Ryan Coogler, as their stars rise in Hollywood and they are more successful on. Um, well, even with Barry Jenkins, not even on the mainstream level, even though he didn't want to ask. He didn't want to ask her. Yes, he did. Um, but but to the mainstream audience, to the mainstream world and the powers that be, I think that it's beautiful that they are using their powers to bring uh, voice to these underappreciated creatives of yesterday. So, yeah. I mean, everybody appreciates James Baldwin. Right. But there's like we know if Bill Street could talk. 
Right. There's a lot of people that don't know that book. Yeah, I mean, it's an old book. Yeah, you know it's what I mean? It's an old book. Oh, oh, but, or even when you think about James Baldwin, I, And I was about to say, when you there, think about Baldwin, you, yeah. You're I, not going I, there. I completely agree with you. You know, so to to show that other side of him, you know, I think it's, I, and for it, I can't think of any better auteur to do yeah. that than yeah. Barry Jenkins. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. Go Tell It on the Mountain is the first black book I ever read. Really? Yeah, James Baldwin's Go Tell It on the Mountain. I was probably 14, 15. Wow. And, you know, we're old enough to remember a time before, like, mm. black books were black books. Like, it actually blew my mind a little bit when I was 14, 15, that there were books about us. Really? And then to read something that beautiful. So, I'm a big, big James Baldwin guy, and I'm a big, big Barry Jenkins guy, so... Very much looking forward to this. Well, you're a big guy. Big, big Vince. guy. Yeah, a lot of people that haven't, haven't seen you, they yeah. know you're, you're a big guy. There you go. Big guy. All right. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we well, hope you're enjoying th- this show. We hope you're enjoying us either on the podcast or enjoying us on Saturdays at 1 on WPPM 106.5 FM here in Philadelphia or Mondays starting your Monday mornings with Michelle at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM. We're going to take a pause for the cause right now. And after that, we're going to get into our review of Amazing Grace. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. At this time, we are proud to announce the motion picture debut of America's most talented, most beautiful, most exciting, most glamorous female superstar. Moms Mabley as Amazing Grace. Grace E. Dale Grimes, that's me. She's sweet. Oh man, don't be no boo. She's sexy. No, don't kiss me. He might start something that you can't stop. She's tough. Baby, I'm gonna stomp you. She's tender. And I made up my mind that you were my children. She's courageous. But you should have went over there and busted him right in the mouth. She's contagious. We want Grace ain't coming. Grace ain't coming. She's outrageous. You gonna be the mayor of Baltimore. 
Thank you, Miss Constituents. Like you said. Wait a Don't be called old by no constituent. She's Mom's Mabley, and she's amazing. That's all I need to know. In Amazing Grace with Slappy White. Do the camel walk. Do the camel walk. Colored man's got to do a whole lot of strange things nowadays to make a dollar. Step and fetch it. Himself in person as Step and Fetch it. Moses Gunn. Of course, we all realize that Mr. Waters is black. But I think we can ignore that. He has. Rosalind Cash. He does anything to ruin this campaign, that's my problem. Look, man, you mentioned my wife one more time, and I'm going to have to go to the street on you. Butterfly McQueen. Hello. <laughs> I'm going to give me a pair of pies and pictures of woman boys. Don't miss Mom's Mabley in Amazing Grace. But watch me. Amazing Grace, a 1974 comedy film featuring actress, comedian, Moms Mabley, playing the title role of Grace Tisdale Grimes. Grace is a widow who influences the local mayoral election in Baltimore, Maryland, after she discovers her somewhat slow-witted neighbor is being used to run for mayor by shady politicians and the incumbent mayor to further his own self-serving re-election efforts. Mabley appears in the film one year before her uh, before passing away at the age of 81. The film also features cameo appearances by veteran actress actors Butterfly McQueen and Steppen Fetchit. The film's title is a play on words based on the name of the Christian hymn Amazing Grace and features Slappy White, Moses Gunn, as well as Rosalind Cash and was directed by Stan Lathan. Written by Matt Robinson, mm-hmm. a name that we as uh, known to many Michelle missionaries, and this film, Amazing Grace, is if it's the seventies, it must have been a Vince film. <laughs> yes, sir. And sure enough, this was the film that Vince uh, chose to bring to us on our return here on the Michelle Mission. Vince, what say you of Amazing Grace? I think Amazing Grace is a film that you actually have to start with the creators, as, as you just mentioned. It's directed by Stan Lathan. It's actually his first feature. Mm. Stan Lathan is, you know, really one of the pillars of black Hollywood. You, you know, well-regarded director, uh, worked in has worked in film, still mm-hmm. works in television. Yes, he does. You, you know, you, you may know he's Sanai Lathan's dad. Yep. But but you know, again, just one of the real foundational elements of Black Hollywood since the seventies. Matt Robinson, as you said, also a name that many people know, and and you, you know, I have to say, a lot of people, if you Matt Robinson, who wrote the script. Mm-hmm. And this is his story. And, and he and Stan Lathan actually grew up together mm-hmm. here in Philadelphia. And um, another well-regarded creator yeah. in black Hollywood. And th- there are really two things that, that kind of pop up immediately about him. The first is that he was the first person to play Gordon. Yep. On Sesame Street. Yep. So if you've ever seen the, you know, the first, I think, one or two episodes, because he left fairly early. Uh, well, I th- you said episode. I think you meant season. Season, right? So, so he was on the whole first season. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah. And he played Gordon. I believe he was the first person to speak mm-hmm. on Sesame Street. Yep. And the other thing that you may know about him is his daughter, Holly Robinson. Holly Robinson Pete. Pete. 
So you have these two creators who, again, are very much intertwined in black Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And they've created this film that, you you know, as we said, was a showcase for Moms Mabley. Moms Mabley, the great comedian, the great, um, well, comedian. Comedian, you know, she was also an activist and, 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 you know, did several things early on. But from that old Chitlin circuit, time and then you know yeah. quite honestly even pre-chitlin circuit and you and we've talked about this before with 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 actors such as harry belafonte or sammy davis jr or even sydney portier to a certain extent the the 70s were a challenging time because these establishment black actors looked up and not only were they out of style but some of the newer voices looked at them with disdain mm-hmm. as if you you know you were you you were um assimilationists you were you, you know entertaining for white people this that and the other and these even older acts such as moms mabley mm-hmm. were looked at even worse and as we said while moms mabley is the title character and this is very much her film her co-star is Slappy White. Yep, her. Slappy White is very much from the Chitlin circuit. Yes, and and I'm a huge Slappy White fan, mainly because I would see him on Sanford and Son. Yes, and you know I've talked. I'm a huge, huge Sanford and Son fan. Well, it happened in the '70s, it, it, right? Right. <laughs> yes, yes, it happened in the '70s. But these acts who transitioned to television from the chitlin circuit mm-hmm. from the stage mm-hmm. and and kind of made this impression then you get this the, you know a cameo from step and fetch it a cameo from butterfly mcqueen who we all know from gone with the wind mm-hmm. so that robinson and lathan are really entering this conversation in the 70s mm-hmm. about these acts and you, you know believe it or not it's actually difficult to find any information about Stan Lathan in Amazing Grace. Believe it or not, he doesn't talk about it that much. <laughs> I, I know that's hard to believe that this doesn't come up immediately. But, you know, he said when he made the film, you know, as I said, he and um, he and um, Matt, Robinson. Matt Robinson grew up together. They used to see these acts at the Uptown, so they had a lot of respect for them. And uh, there's actually this great book called uh, Trying to Get Over, African-American Directors, after black exploitation, and there's a great quote in there from Stan Lathan, where he says, talking about the very first scene is um, on a train, yeah, and Slappy White is a Pullman porter, and he's retiring. Like the the film starts, and it is his last day on the job, and Stan Lathan says that the idea was to start it here to show one of these performers mm-hmm. in this, you know, quote unquote subservient role in this role that many younger blacks at the moment looked down and frowned mm-hmm. upon, mm-hmm. but to show him navigating this world and basically passing the baton off to the young people. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens in this film. Like the film starts with the young people and, you know, there are two Morgan state students and they sort of look down on Slappy White, yeah. and and you know through extension they look down on Moms Mabley, and then as the film goes on, they all sort of come together. The young people, the older performers, uh, Moses Gunn plays 
a morally compromised young black politician right. or younger black politician. Younger, you know, he's right. like 40 and yeah. he and Rosalind Cash have aspirations to enter into these halls of power, but they're being used by the white establishment. And by the end, all three of these groups come together mm-hmm. to, you know, get this black power. They get him elected mayor, the first black mayor. And I think it's a really, really, again, interesting sentence in this conversation in the 70s. Now, you'll notice the one thing that I didn't say. What? It's not that good. <laughs> you know, for a lot of different reasons. You know, I think it's a it, it's this sort of, you kind of see the arc of the film within five minutes. Yes, you do. I think what gives these performers, specifically Moms Mabley, so much power is her energy and her wit and everything. And as you said, she she dies a year after this was made. She actually had a heart attack mm-hmm. um, during the making of the film, and and she had to get a pacemaker um, put in so that you you know she she's very weak for a lot yeah. of the film. There's actually a lot of body doubles yeah. in the film, like they use her for close ups. Um, you know, Slappy White. I don't think he's really well served. No. In this film, no, he's not, and you, you know, because I think he's there as more of of commentary, like as commentary, mm-hmm. than as a performer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what makes him work so well on episodes of Sanford and Son with you know these people like you know Leroy and Skillet or you know Red Fox himself, Whitman Mayo, and um, Lawanda Page mm-hmm. is that they're allowed to actually bounce off of each other, and you know right. you have the energy and you have this sort of um stage presence almost where in here it really is stan lathan and and matt robinson are saying we shouldn't look down on him yeah so that you don't get any of that energy moses gunn you know i like moses gunn a lot i think moses gunn brings more dignity to this role than it deserves way more just because he's moses yeah because he's moses gunn like moses gunn has this great speech about being 17 and wanting to be mayor and it's like wow Moses Gunn is doing a monologue right now in the middle of Amazing Grace. Yeah, he's doing a monologue to himself. Right, 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 right. <laughs> or, no, he's hollering to his wife who's upstairs. Right, Rosalind Cash. I'm not really sure what speed Rosalind Cash is on in this no. film. But I like this film for what it is. And, and basically what it is is a launching point for this conversation, frankly. Okay. All right. There you go. That was... That was well played. Um, I am a fan of Moms Mabley. I came to know Moms Mabley because I long ago became like a student of like just old Hollywood and comedy. Mm-hmm. So the name, you know, would resonate with me when I would listen to like old Red Red Fox records and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I just started, you know, digging in the crates to find out, well, who is this old lady that everybody keeps talking about? And so I found some like scratchy, like, grainy like um recordings of her or on tv specials and stuff like that and then famously i saw her on an old um i forgot what the name of the show was i think it was like playboy playhouse or something like yes yes and um where Hugh Hefner basically sits around in a room with everybody on pillows, high out of their brains. Is that, is that Playboy After Dark? It, maybe it's Playboy After yeah. Dark. I don't. I, for some reason, I don't think it was After Dark though, because this was um, in the 
late 60s, mid 60s, late 60s. Okay. Um, so I don't, I don't think the after dark term had been played on it, but maybe, maybe I can't remember. Okay. But she was on there and, um, that's when she famously sung, um, her song that would become like, like her signature song about, uh, John F. Kennedy, uh, his passing. Do you know about that song? Is 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 that the the John Martin? Yeah, John Martin, Abraham. Yeah, yeah. So she she sang that song on there, uh, and she was funny on that show on that on that on that show. But then when she sings that song, there was um, an earnestness to her singing it in the Mom's Mabley character mm-hmm. that just really just really sold her to me and mm-hmm. like embedded her in my heart that that character and then learning more about her and about how early on in her career you know she basically worked the chitlin circuits but she worked the chicken circuits too that was the only thing that she was doing you know Mm -hmm. she didn't have to take on any other jobs she was making like ten thousand dollars a week at the at the um at the apollo at one time she came out as a lesbian yeah way earlier than when anybody else nobody else was out there like that. She was openly like, yes, I'm gay. You know, this is who I am. Um, So she was a hero, very much a hero. Uh, I, so all of that, I bring with me when I, you told me about this film, which admittedly I had never heard of. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm watching the film and I can tell by the year that it's, if, if I didn't know that it was, you know, her last film, I knew this was probably going to be one of her last ones. And, uh, and I can see that it, the movie wants to be a love letter to her. Mm-hmm. You know, they're letting, they're letting her just be moms, Mabley in the movie, you know, like, yeah, we'll, we'll act around you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll direct around you. Um, but like you said, she is, you know, far at the height of her powers in this film, slow, the, the uh, debilitated to a great degree in many parts of the film. And because of that, this became a hard film for me to watch mm. because while I didn't know her as a young woman, I certainly knew her as a lot stronger right. of a performer than she was given than what she was given off in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and even accepting that this was later in her life, I knew that still in the early 70s, she still had a little bit of energy, but just none of that was on display here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that made this a little hard for me. Plus, you know, while I'm a fan of Moses Gunn, I'm a fan of Rosalind Cash, I don't think they're given much to work with outside of Moses Gunn's, you know, uh, monologue that you mentioned Rosalind Cash she's given an interesting backstory of <laughs> you know trying to pass as white right. and then trying to pass as Puerto Rican right, right. it sounds interesting and she's a drunk and she's a drunk <laughs> yes. you know but um, it, it goes absolutely nowhere mm-hmm. it's, it's she's given nothing to do but run and like Yafit Koto Rosalind Cash has proven <laughs> that she should never run in a movie because that was whoo that was hard on the eyes um unlike you I am not a fan and have never been a fan of Slappy White okay I never enjoyed when he showed up on on uh, Sanford and Son, that always to me that always meant that Whit, uh, Whitman Mayo was busy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, 
That's terrible. And Bubba was holding out for more cash. So Slappy just wasn't bringing it. I was just not feeling Slappy in this movie. So all in all, the movie, like you said, it's not good. But it's even a greater disappointment for me because there's nothing. Honestly, because Stefan Fetchett, you blink and you miss him in the movie. Right. And if you don't know the actor, you don't recognize him. Right. I don't think you necessarily recognize Butterfly McQueen, but her scene is definitely directed to a point that you're supposed to know she's somebody. Right. You know, and God bless her. She looks great. I wouldn't because I didn't I ain't trying to take this conversation left. I was like, all right, Butterfly McQueen. I know, right? I was like doing the math with I was like, how old is she right at this yes. moment? Yes. Yeah. She, she was wearing her little dress. She was wearing a little dress. She wearing a little dress. You know, she had a little wig on, but mm-hmm. she she was wearing that too. She mm-hmm. looked good, you know? Um, so God bless God bless them. So it was good to see them, yeah. you know, one more, you know, spot in the sunshine. Um and Mom's Mabley, even at her decreased powers, I can you could see that she's trying to give her all in a speech at the end of the movie. Yeah. Which is ostensibly a speech to black Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, it's, it's to a, a, a group of college kids, but she's talking to black Hollywood there, mm-hmm. calling them her children and, you know, go out there and be something. Cause I know you have it in you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so there were parts of that, that, you know, were t- it was touching to me, but more touching because I knew what they were going for. And I don't think the words nor, you know, moms at this time had the power to get it over the goalposts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, so this became a more of a disappointing exercise, not because it wasn't good because it wasn't good, but I was ready to accept it for what it was, Mm -hmm. but just because, you know, um, you know, if this is, you know, people's only, only piece of Moms Mabley that they ever seen that you didn't see Moms Mabley. Right, right. Well, you know, I think, I think, you, you know, back to back to this this um, book trying to get over. There's another quote where they where they say the step and fetch it part was actually written. Like if you remember, he actually says, "You say you, you you know you say um, you blink if you miss, if you blink you'll miss him and you certainly don't recognize him." Because, but he has to say it. He says, you know, I am Steppen Fetchett. Yeah. I am the father of Black Hollywood, this, that, and the other. And they wrote it that way for him to announce announce who he was right. and, and basically for the film to honor him. And I think health issues aside, which are a huge thing, the irony is that the appeal of these acts, you don't see them. Because Stan Lathan and, you know, the script itself is so deferential and it's so protective of them. The thing, you know, strangely enough, not strangely enough, it'll make sense when I say it. I kept thinking about the remake of Sparkle. Okay. When I saw, when I was watching this. And if you remember, everyone on that set, everyone was involved. And when you watch it, it comes across on the screen. 
they're so protective of Whitney Houston. Yes. In that film. Because that's being her last film. This is her last film and the challenges she had gone through. And, you know, if you remember, like, people wouldn't let people interview her. Like, Mm -hmm. they were so protective of her. And I get, I got that sense throughout this film. Okay. Where we are in the midst of this moment where, again, Critics are saying that, you know, these people are, are are coonish and they're this, that, and the other. And we really just want to honor them. Yeah. But in honoring them, you almost you, you almost cut them off from that, again, that energy. where, where you, Of that for right. which they're being honored. Where, you know, I'm not going to fight you too hard about Slappy White standing in the <laughs> pantheon of bit players on Sanford and son be because, you know, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm talking about uh, Leroy and skillet and, and Bubba and, and, and all of these people. Um, Oh, I just forgot my man's name that they sing autumn. It's one of my episodes where, where it's a guy, he comes on and he breaks his leg and then they have to do a show together. Anyway, you saw all of these again, Chitlin circuit acts on Sanford and son, Mm -hmm. but because red Fox was the real creative force frankly mm-hmm. once it became a hit and red fox had no wasn't going to defer to anybody like red fox was the least respectable person <laughs> on earth and red fox basically was like f it we gonna do what we do right so that you got that energy and you got you know that liveliness and you got that electricity yeah so that again the slappy white in this film is not the slappy white that became slappy white. Right, right. And, and I think to a certain extent you get that as well. You know, as, as we said, step and fetch it is, is the patriarch of the family. And he has this great speech and, and, you know, you get a little bit of that energy in that scene mm-hmm. with butterfly McQueen, which, yes. you know, frankly is like the scene that pops the most in it the is. whole thing. Yeah. And it's like, they just let butterfly McQueen be butterfly McQueen mm-hmm. and you don't recognize her. You recognize her voice though. You do. Like, you know, she still had that voice. But yeah, I can't really fight you that hard. I think one of the other things that I find interesting about this movie, in theory, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of as a conversation. Right. For years, I've said that this is a Medea film without Medea. Like this, where, where, where. I can see that. You know, just yeah. the plot of it, yeah. where you have this character, this kind of down homey character that kind of goes to these bourgeois blacks and shows them the air of Sticks their Sticks her nose. But this is a much more political film. Yeah. Like, I think it's noteworthy. Um, again, I'm keep quoting my man. I guess I should say his actual name. I had it. Got the person that wrote the book? Yeah, the person. That going to? Right, right, right. The, let's see. So, of course, because it's like, all right, y'all. Now we're gonna get real technical. Like I actually went to um, went to like Google Scholar and looked up something. Ooh, Google Scholar! You need a password to go to Google Scholar. That's right. You, you. I, I had to. I had to use my faculty password. <laughs> See? That's actually the truth. But I opened it up as a PDF. But then I had to expand it, and now I've expanded it in a way that I can't see the title. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't see the author. Mm-hmm. Like it won't let me. Um, Keith Corson. Okay. Keith Corson. But uh, one of the things that Keith Corson does is that he puts this within the context of this moment in American cities. Oh, okay. Where black men and are in black, well, black men mostly are being elected mayor. Mm. And, and this is a film that very much 
and very pointedly talks about black political power. Oh yeah. Where you know the 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 plot is the Moses Gunn's character is a tool of the Republican establishment and they're trying to use him to split the vote. Yeah. And and Moms Mabley basically tells him you don't have to be a tool. You can actually be the mayor. So that where the Tyler Perry films, I think a lot of times you see the division mm-hmm. where he's kind of waging this kind of gross class warfare. Right. Amazing Grace. Grace is saying we all come together so that, again, by the end, these same college students who were borderline disrespectful mm-hmm. in the beginning are are amazingly like like there's a, you know, I, I do think there are nice little moments in this film. Like, you know, the two young men come to pick her up and and, you know, she tells them, you know, you don't come in here without saying without speaking first. And, you know, they yes, ma'am or no ma'am or, and promise they're going to come back and eat. But eat, eat the string beans. Eat the string beans. But you know that everybody comes together, and I, I you know, I kind of like that. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I think, uh, I think that there are definitely a lot of little, well, not a lot, but there are some, some, some moments in this film that are come off as a little, a little genuine. I thought that was a, a cute moment. I actually thought a, a, a nice moment in the beginning on the train when Mom's Mabley gets uh, eventually gets her butt on the train <laughs> and talks about giving the the young the one young boy uh, some of her potato salad. Yes. And some of her chicken. Yes. And I thought that was like, hey, you know, yeah, that's what an old lady would do. You know? Yeah. 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 Eat some chicken. Or when even when um, you know, it, it was funny because then there was another scene. Slappy White comes, comes. Uh, Slappy White walks, takes her home. They just met on the train. Now all of a sudden they're best friends. I don't understand. But anyway, the, the plot, you know, whatever. But uh, he, he goes home with her, and she says, "Well, let me get you a plate." And just the way that she was scooping out like about these big hunks of potato salad on his plate for him, <laughs> and then she unfolds the, the, the chicken out of the the wax paper. You know, oh my god, wax! Just wax, seeing wax paper on the movies was I like, know. wow, that was like, wow, this is like a real house. You know, she's like, yeah, this is a nice piece of chicken. I was like, it's my grandma. Yeah. So I mean, so there were some moments that were kind of you know like really stood out for me in this film, and uh, they were nice. You know, so yes, there was good stuff there. Yeah. There was some good stuff there, Vince. I will give you that. All right? You happy now? <laughs> Mom's maybe melted your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's how, how you want to put it. <laughs> if, that's, if that's how you want to put it, Vince, yes. She melted my heart. Yes. That's what she did. Yes. Um. So, yeah. So, that was, you know. There you go. So, the question is, is it a black film? Oh no no no! It's definitely a black <laughs> film. No, the question is, would you recommend this film though? Oh, I gotta be honest. I could not recommend this film. Okay, I would not recommend this film. I would recommend. I mean, you know, yes. While it's nice to have Stephen Fetchin and Butterfly McQueen in this film, really, the only reason to see this film is Mom's Mabley. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk about Mom's Mabley and her powers, YouTube Mom's Mabley. That's right. You find yeah, absolutely. A lot of her performances. Or check out her, um, the documentary that Whitney, um, Whitney, 
Whoopi Goldberg did yeah. on Mobs Mabley. Yeah. Um, I think in like 2013. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was actually a pretty good documentary. So, like, uh, I would not waste this. Is this does not do her any justice? I don't think you see it for Mobs Mabley. Then what else are you watching this movie well, for? Well, you know, again, it, it, it's... I mean, Moses Gunn has been in better no, no, stuff. No, 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 no. You catch I, Moses Gunn on good times. No, no, no. I think as a film, you are absolutely correct. Like, like just as a film, it does not hold up. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, as part of an ongoing conversation, and, and this is a conversation that you and I obviously are having ongoing but it is a conversation that was going on at that moment i think it's a conversation we are still having a version of right now with the aforementioned tyler perry and and with these people that it's a really useful document Mm -hmm. that that again you have these two relatively young you know i don't know how old um stan lathan was in 1974 or you know, or Matt Robinson, but they they had to be fairly young, very you know, young. maybe in their thirties. Yeah, maybe. And for these you, you know fairly young men to make this film, to enter into into this conversation, so you know whether we're talking about this, whether we're talking about Claudine, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about Welcome Home, Brother Charles, you know, all of these films that are sort whether we're talking about Uptown Saturday Night and, you know, the great scene with Richard Pryor where he talks about, you know, you see these movies, it's always some super nigga running and doing all this stuff. I am interested and I suspect other people are interested in the conversations that black creatives were having with each other about images and about judging these images. You did not sandwich. Oh, I did. Welcome home, brother Charles. I did in between Claudine. I did sandwich it in Uptown. Not only did I sandwich it, in a lot of ways, it's like a foot long. (laughs) How you like that? How you like that, Len? Because you know what? I use my faculty ID to get into the Google Scholar, but it's always room for dick jokes. But it is. I mean, we talked about like like so. I am. I'm fascinated by that. And I think this is a really useful part of that conversation. This is. I'll give you Amazing Grace. You won't give me Brother Charles. Charles. You won't give me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you know, look, I think there's a certain type of person who this would be valuable to. But I think as a film, no, it's it's not. No. It's not at all. No. And, you know, certainly Stan Lathan went on to do much better. much better work. Bigger, better things. And so did Matt Robinson. He went on to become a writer and producer on The Cosby Show. Yes, he did. Yes, so. he did. Again, they they were they, these these men are really part of the foundation of modern black Hollywood. Right. And like and, you said, Stan Lathan is still actually yeah. out there rocking because uh, I think he's the executive producer of the Real House Husbands of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's look. We could we we should probably do a um, binge lounge on Stan Lathan. Okay, look, we've got we got pocket Jasons to God. do. <laughs> now you want to stack Spock up binge Jason. lounges, binge lounges, talkbacks, showings, we 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 road trips. Yeah, 
Like, which one of us is the straight guy? Ah. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Ah. Um, before we get to tell you what we're going to be watching next week, um, I invite you to check out each and every one of our shows. They're available for your download, stream, and pleasure on MichelleMission.com. Our show is also available as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Google Play, and any place and every place that you find podcasts, as well as a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network. And don't forget to email us if you have any uh, questions or concerns at mission at gmail.com. And like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mission or Mission Michelle. We, uh, and join the Facebook group where we have a ton of fun. Of everybody there. Hey, Shari D. How you doing? Um, next week, it's my turn. It is your turn. And I said that we're due to, you know, dig into the crates. Uh oh. And a little, a little deeper into the crates than the 70s. Uh oh. So I'm taking us back to 1950. Whoa. Where we will once again see a very young Ruby D. Really? In the Jackie Robinsons. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> With Jackie Robinson. With Jackie Robinson himself. As Jackie Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's summer. It's baseball. Have you ever seen the Jackie Robinson story? I have. <laughs> So we needed a cleanser. <laughs> we had Amazing Grace, and now we have the Jackie Robinson story. It's like a cleanser of a glass of tap water yes. that's been out for an hour. <laughs> Supposedly based on a true story. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm Jackie Robinson. I faced many challenges. Okay. Okay. Get, leave the man alone. In my journey. See? <laughs> as a baseball player. It's a product of his time, Vince. Well, I'm just talking about Jackie Robinson in the Jackie Robinson story. I know. Story. I know. The story of Jackie, Jackie Robinson. That, that's not the full title. <laughs> he didn't go Tyler Perry on it. It's just called the Jackie Robinson story. If you think that I can be a good example. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, check that out. Of a Negro baseball player. <laughs> then I think. Vince, this is not funny. This I not- will be the first Negro baseball player in the major leagues. It's not funny. God is going to strike you down. He's going to strike you down so bad. Obviously, I'm the straight man. It's become very apparent. I am the one with the wits. Vince is the buffoon. So, Costello, as we <laughs> say goodbye, <laughs> in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again.
now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>